Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me for this podcast about Huntington disease. It is a genetic disorder with a dominant inheritance pattern. Now, I teach at various levels within school about dominant and recessive genes and genetic disorders related to them. And the ones that I talk about typically are recessive. And I always get asked, well, what about dominant conditions? And Huntington is is almost like my go-to example. And the reason why uh, more of them are recessive is simply just because the majority have, the majority of genetic disorders have recessive inheritance patterns. Huntington is an autosomal dominant disorder. And when I say autosome, I'm referring to chromosomes from pair 1 up to 22. So pair 23 are the sex chromosomes. So an autosome is any other chromosome. It's an autosomal dominant disorder. And what that means is that the mutation is of a gene on one of these particular autosomes. In this case, it's chromosome 4. Now, in terms of how uh, prevalent you could say this condition is, it affects roughly about 1 in 15,000 people in Western Europe. because It's got a Western European origin and fewer kind of around in other parts of the world. The gene in question codes for a protein that we call Huntington, and it's that that plays an important role in the functioning of nerve cells. But to be honest, the exact function of Huntington protein is not overly clear at the moment. One end of this gene has what's called a base triplet, CAG, and it's repeated from about 7 to 35 times. So when I say triplet, I'm talking about three bases. When we, when we talk about DNA, we talk about the bases A, T, C, and G, adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine. And they appear as triplets, hence the what's called the triplet code. So we've got this CAG, this triplet, and it's repeated a number of times. Now, as a result of this repeat, the Huntington protein has between because i said it's repeated between 7 and 35 times so we've got about 7 to 35 glutamine residues at one end now glutamine is a particular amino acid the mutation that occurs is called an expanding triple nucleotide repeat now what that means in simple terms is that the number of cag triplets increases when the dna replicates before meiosis If the number increases beyond 36, then the person will suffer symptoms of the disease. So for those suffering from Huntington's disease, what we see is that they have more than 36 of these CAG repeats within their DNA, particularly within chromosome 4. It's because the abnormal form of the protein causes gradual damage to areas of the brain, very specific areas of the brain. The more number of CAG repeats you have above the value of 36, then the earlier that the symptoms will appear. But they tend to appear sort of between the ages of 30 and sort of 45. So the more repeats, the earlier uh, people will be symptomatic. So what are the symptoms? Let's just talk through some of the symptoms that a Huntington sufferer might experience. Well, memory loss would be one of them. And weight loss as well, due to being unable to coordinate their eating movements. You would see personality changes and behavioural problems. And overall, just a progressive mental deterioration and loss of mental faculties, because the brain cells are lost. 
One of the most noticeable things are involuntary or uncontrollable muscle movements. And it's sometimes taken... There's a Greek word meaning dancing called chorea. That's spelled C-H-O-R-E-A. And these uncontrollable muscle movements are quite distinctive for someone suffering from Huntington's. The abnormal protein interferes with nerve function, clearly. So sufferers only need to have one abnormal allele of the gene for it to take effect. That's the thing about the dominant gene. Dominant genes, or dominant alleles, are expressed even if you only have one in a particular pair. For a recessive allele to be expressed, you need a person to be homozygous recessive. You need to have two of those recessive genes. When I teach about this topic, I always say... If you imagine dominant wins in a way, so if someone with dominant recessive, dominant wins, it's the dominant trait that will always show. So you only need one abnormal allele of this particular gene. So when they produce some abnormal Huntington protein, as well as some normal protein, as that can be made too, the abnormal protein is what interferes with nerve function. So sufferers typically tend to be heterozygous, so they have one dominant, as in one affected uh, gene and one normal non-affected so what that means is that you only need one parent to have the disorder and any child would therefore have a 50% chance of inheriting it and because the symptoms don't usually appear until mid to late sort of 30s up to the age of 45 people may very well have children before they even realize they have the disorder there are developments now in genetic testing genetic screening and people can go to see if they have this particular mutation. There is, as I said, a genetic test available specifically for people who have a parent with this disorder, and they can find out. But this is where the idea of genetic counselling comes in, either before the test or after, regardless of the result. Because there is no cure, and at the moment we only have very limited treatment to purely reduce the severity of some of the symptoms. People can be given information, as I said, from a genetic counsellor, and they can then make an informed decision as to whether they want to get tested or not. So there's just a little bit about Huntington's disease, an autosomal dominant condition caused by abnormal Huntington protein. Now, if you are interested, I have recorded another podcast um, just a couple of days before this one, in fact, called the Epigenetic Control of Gene Expression. And I talk about something called post-transcriptional regulation. And specifically, I refer to Huntington's disease. I talk about how we nowadays can manipulate the messenger RNA and enzymes that we have to potentially in the future treat this condition. It's all about stopping this protein being formed. To form the protein, we need to take the DNA code and from that produce something called messenger RNA through transcription and then through a process of translation, we can basically turn that code, if you like, into a, a fully functional protein. And what epigenetic control of gene expression allows us to do is manipulate that messenger RNA, ultimately break it up so that we don't form this abnormal Huntington protein. So if you are interested in knowing a little bit more about this condition and its potential future treatments, then I would check out that podcast. But I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this one.